The key to Miami season might be in getting the most out of their role players. So we continue our player preview series by looking at two familiar faces, Duncan Robinson and Josh Richardson, and how they can help the Heat win a championship this year. Can Richardson be better than his previous stint in Miami? And will Duncan finally take the next step defensively? We answer all that and more on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg. Joining me as always is David Ramil. However, you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day we're back to our training camp player previews we'll be focusing on duncan robinson and josh richardson today two players who will be tasked with replacing max drews and gabe vincent at least somewhat we'll be discussing their best and worst case scenarios uh if they are in or out of the rotation and what cheesecake factory menu item represents them the most also later we've got news on damian lillard but let's start with the biggest question facing duncan robinson this season david what do you got well, look, I think with Duncan, we've already we know where his strength lies. I think that's pretty obvious. And yet last year we talked about, you know, the we saw him make the progression as a more versatile-ish type score. He incorporated that floater uh, early on in the season and then he kind of incorporated that as well in the playoffs where he was able to go off ball a little bit more, put the ball down the floor if he was run off the three-point line and be able to get to the basket. We also saw him be able to add a little impact offensively when he was making some sharp passes, especially in that two-man game with Bam and Abayo. So my big question for him going into training camp is, can he add something else to his game that makes him a more impactful player? See, I don't want him to add anything else to his game. I really <laughs> I, I, don't. I, I like the three-point shooting. It's good. I like I, I, I don't. And the threes I, I keep are thinking more back, than the twos. I, I keep thinking back to that Ramona Shelburne profile and Duncan yeah. years ago. And, and you know, suppose saying – you know, basically chewing Duncan out for, for doing anything other than shooting. But we've also seen teams kind of figure that out and take him out of the game because all he does is basically regress to being a shooter. Right. And I think in his most impactful moments last season, it was when he was showing differences. And they set up that shooting in the long run. So I, I, I agree 100%. His strength is always going to be in being able to pop seven threes at any given moment. It's when he can switch that up work that two-man game with Bam, throw that law pass into Bam if he rolls to the rim, or if he puts the ball down himself. We saw it in the finals. Like There was I mean, that one string in game two where they won, and I think he was a big part yeah. of that because he kind of diversified his offense a little bit. Look, I'm, I'm being a little facetious. You know what I no, mean? I like, obviously, attack the closeout when they're closing out hard to make the right basketball play. I don't want him taking floaters. I don't want him taking mid-range. I don't want any of that. Either take the three – or attack the basket, and like you said, if that lob with Bam was huge, if he can get to the lay, uh, get to the basket and lay it up, or even dunk, that's fine. Right. Like I like all that stuff. That stuff's great. Um, but to me, it gets back just to the three point shooting again. My big question for him is: Can he continue his playoff success? Here's the regular season versus the playoff splits. Regular yeah. season, Duncan Robinson last year, thirty seven percent shooting overall, thirty two point eight percent on threes, um, and four personal fouls committed per 36 minutes in the playoffs. He went from shooting 37% to 47 and a half percent. He went for uh, overall, he went from shooting 33% from three in the regular season to 44% from three in the postseason. 
He went from committing four fouls every 36 minutes to 3.1 fouls every 36 minutes, which is the difference between having to be taken out and getting to right. stay on the floor. And so right. that to me is the biggest thing with Duncan Robinson. We are looking at what essentially has been a two-year slump since he signed the big contract. He broke out of that slump in a major way in the playoffs and especially in the NBA, in the Eastern Conference Finals and the NBA Finals. He was enormous for the Heat. Max Struess is gone. He needs to now step up and reclaim the job that Max Struess took from him. And the only way he can do that is if he can continue that playoff success. So that's what I'm looking at. In terms of the best case scenario, that's basically what I have. Back to 40% shooting from threes, uh, 40 plus percent, uh, keeps the fouls down and just and plays. And he plays like 20 plus minutes per game. That's my best case scenario for him. So is mine. Uh, I have him as a possible starter shooting over 40% from three, at least 40% yeah. from three. Like that's that's the baseline for him. And I think that's where it is. And I I'm, I'm wanted to ask you this because even in just talking about the situation, like how likely is it that we're going to see an extension of what we saw in the playoffs? continue on through the regular season i think he kind of got over the schneid a little bit and i know he's kind of downplayed it as players do but i think there was a psychological component that's impacted him since he signed the contract the weight of that he's talked about that in the past on top of that there's been the in and out of the rotation never knowing exactly where you are and that's been difficult for him to make that adjustment can he kind of take what he made what he did in the playoffs and carry it through to the regular season i think he can where do you stand on that I think we've seen Duncan Robinson's worst basketball. I, that is my worst case scenario. That is yeah. my worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is there is none because we've already right. seen the very worst of what I, Duncan is. I, I, yeah, I'm with you. Like, look, I don't know that he's going to – I don't know. I mean, he could shoot 44% from three. That's basically what he was doing before the, the big contract. So <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm a believer in Duncan Robinson, and I'm with you. I, whatever he wants to say, there was definitely something mental – going on there and and when you're a shooter it's like being a it's like being a batter right in right. In, in baseball it's like all right you just all you get all you, you can do head. is keep swinging all you could yeah it's a it's a total it shooting unlike maybe more so than anything else in in basketball is mental right and so right. Right. uh he obviously broke through something there and to do it in the playoffs and to help carry your team to the finals especially with Tyler Hero out yeah. and I'm with you this is a guy who could if he's if all things go well could start you know it's not out of the realm of possibility because he used to be a starter it wasn't that long ago that he was my worst case scenario is that he gets off to a bad start and then that leads to a slump because that's basically what's happened the last couple of years here exactly it here are miami's first five first five opponents of the regular season and where they ranked in terms of three-point shooting percentage allowed last season okay opening night detroit pistons they ranked 16th in three-point percentage allowed about slightly below average. Not good. So that's a good opportunity for Duncan Robinson to, to get off on the right foot. Yep. Next game's Boston. They ranked fourth last year, but Duncan He's Robinson always has confidence. Yeah, Duncan Robinson has confidence against the Celtics. I like that matchup for him. Yep. Uh, Minnesota is next. They're 24th. They suck. Milwaukee <laughs> is next. Uh, they're eighth. They're very good at uh, denying the three-point shots that they want to deny, but Mike Budenholzer is out. Adrian Griffin he's, is in. Who knows what that defense he, he, is going to look like? You know what he likes? He likes to match up against Pat Connaughton, right? You know, yeah. I think there's a little friendly rivalry there. The two white guys that can shoot. And yeah. the fact that I think Duncan's always seems to have a little extra juice when it comes to playing the Bucks. And then Brooklyn is the fifth game of the season. They rank 13th mm. after the All-Star break, trying to capture sort of that post-KD Kyrie thing. They're very, very good defensively. That could be a little bit of a problem. But generally speaking, those first five games, I more... More so, I think, provide Duncan Robinson an opportunity to get off to a good start, is, is yeah, my that, point there. Duncan uh, Robinson versus Tyler Hero in that Brooklyn game is going to be incendiary. 
Uh, in or out of the rotation? I think he's in. Uh, I think just by virtue of losing Struess, you kind of have to find that replacement high-level score. Unless, you know, of course, Dame comes in and then you have to, with whoever is left on the roster, you kind of have to figure out the best complementary players and maybe Duncan might not be it. But I think he can handle that role. And uh, I think he could be at least a starter. Uh, and if not, you know, a contributor off the bench, certainly. The part going unsaid here is Duncan Robinson could potentially be part of a Damian Lillard trade if something yes. does go down. Yeah. I think the my best guess is that Portland would prefer Kyle Lowry's expiring over Duncan Robinson. And my best guess also is that I think Miami would prefer, would prefer them to take Lowry's expiring and then to keep Duncan Robinson. As great as a three-point shooter as Damian Lillard is, he's only one three-point shooter. You can't have too many three-point shooters. And when Damian Lillard's off the floor... If you don't have a guy like Duncan Robinson on the roster or somebody else doesn't really emerge, the Heat could have still a lack of three-point shooting if you're trading Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Like That could be a problem for them in terms of depth. I actually prefer to keep Duncan Robinson, even though the long-term contract is there, which we'll touch on a little bit later. I have him also as in. He has to be. If no Damian Lillard trade is done, the Heat only have four guards on the roster. He's obviously one of the top three or four on the roster. So I have him as in. He's going to have to play. Whether or not he starts, comes off the bench, how many minutes he plays, I don't know. But he will play a nightly role. And again, if if he's still on the roster when a Duncan uh, when a Damian Lillard trade gets done, I still think he has a major role to play on this team. Um, all right. Coming up next, why Josh Richardson should be even better in his return stint with the heat plus we've got the latest on damon lillard that's coming up next here on locked on heat today's episode of locked on heat is brought to you by bird dogs i love my bird dogs they make me look good with their stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg giving me a truly sculpted look to put it another way bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better, and they're way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. You don't want that, especially not in this Florida heat. So Bird Dogs fixes this issue by inventing a cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Plus, they're cool, they're breathable, they're great. Plus, Bird Dogs uses anti-stink, sweat-wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. I guess fall is coming up in other parts of the country, not here in South Florida. What, we don't have that season. What is this autumn I've heard about so much? But maybe, maybe you, maybe your body temp runs cold a little bit. Well, great for you. Bird Dogs has pants, which are the things that are longer than shorts. They kind of go all the way down to the ankle. They have those too in the cloud knit fabric that we're talking about. So get yourself a pair of shorts or the joggers or whatever you're looking at. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA or enter the promo code locked on NBA at checkout. For a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You're not going to want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. We'll be back next week to discuss Bam's ceiling and how much better he can be for the Heat this season. I've got a, a quick question off of our ad read there. Wait, you mentioned in the bird dog's pants that mm. they go all the way down to the ankle. It's true. Is, true. is Capri pants something for, for men that I'm not aware of? Or am I missing out on something here? Your short pants? Do they sell short pants for adult men? There are. Yeah. There are. There, that's sure. a thing? Yeah, I, you can get a higher inseam, just a, a shorter inseam to sort of just flash a like little. How, how little high are we talking about? Like to the knee or something? Like what is that? 
Well, that's a sh- that, and then you're back to shorts. If the th- if the pants go all in, just come up to the knee. That's, you're just right back. <laughs> like, to like, or like, one, or like mid 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 calf <laughs> pants. Is, is mid calf pants a thing that adult Oof. men wear? I don't, I don't think so. Not unless you're oh. like going. I mean, maybe in like a flood. <laughs> okay, all right. I didn't. I we just get plenty of those. Specify. I just didn't know that the, the need to specify that they go down to the ankle. I was like, don't they all go down to the ankle? I don't. I don't. Maybe no, I'm. You got mistaken. shorts, right? And then pants are like shorts, but they go all the way down to the ankle. Good point. A lot of people in Florida don't know what pants are. You don't have to wear them. So I just wanted to explain it in case people were, were interested. That's, that's trying something. That's problematic. New. That's problematic. Like I, I mean, I, I know what I, I know what a parka is, and I've never had to wear one in South Florida. It's like if you don't know what parka, pants yeah, are, it's a place with a slide and the swings. <laughs> we don't have those either. No, yeah, okay. We do have a green space. Same time. To have to lower your asking price and look elsewhere, and that's you know where Miami will still be a part of this process. This is supposed to be a peaceful separation. Dave has every right to ask for a trade. The notion that, that they're going to have to give him away for nothing is just stupid. I stand with Damian Lillard on that. I ain't got a problem with it at all. And we have a business called incremental reporting. I, it will hang over the whole summer. It does. It's... <laughs> Bill Simmons was right, Bill, man. He had his crystal ball here on working overtime. Absolutely. That was, that was great foresight from him. The Oregonians Aaron Fentress reported on Thursday that, yes, the Trailblazers are canvassing the league for other offers, but, quote, they're not really being wowed by anything that's substantial, end quote. Mm. Uh, NBC Sports's Casey Johnson reported that the Bulls were interested in maybe perhaps trading one Zach Levine for Damian Lillard, and Portland was just like, no, not interested in that either. Again, yeah. not being wowed by anything, Levine entering a second year of a five-year, $215 million contract. He's 28. He's a great scorer, 25 points per game over the last four or five years, whatever it was. Uh, limited playmaker, below average defender. There's a little bit of injury history in the in his past, but he's pretty much gotten over that. But he's older than Tyler Hero, much more expensive than Tyler Hero. Chicago would have a hard time trading Zach Levine for even a neutral return, let alone Damian Lillard. So uh, obviously that's not something that Portland would be interested in. Plus he also plays guard, which is the problem that – Portland has with Tyler Hero, but obviously, if you're Portland, you would prefer to have Tyler Hero, who's younger and cheaper. If you had to take a guard back in return, so that's where that's where we're at. Yeah, not much of an update, really. I mean, it provides a little bit more uh, clarity, I suppose, on just the same things that we've been talking about. That there's well, here's my mild away. interest around the league. Yeah, my takeaway is that Portland's on the phone now. That's it. <laughs> like we're getting like these reports that nothing is happening is yeah. is something happening. Like this is. Yeah, the trailblazers being like, we don't like this, we don't like this, but at least they're on the phone, they're calling calling people. What I think is going to ultimately happen here, David, is the trailblazers are going to call Chicago and Toronto and New Orleans and what and you know Serbia and whatever it is that they need, whoever they need to call the G League Ignite, like whatever you need to do, Ooh. call them. Duke, just call everybody, and <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna land them back to a phone call with the Miami Heat. Oh man! Like, and if that's what it takes, that's what it takes, man. Like that's fine. I would um, love I, to be a fly in the wall to see Joe Cronin have to tuck tail and, and make that phone call. That begrudging oh, no, phone you call. Know, you have the intern do it. <laughs> yeah, but still, uh, uh, hey, Pat, yeah. Hey, Joe, what's going on? Didn't expect That's to hear from agent. you this summer. That's when Aaron Goodwin steps in and just is is the uh, intermediary. The go between, you know, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just like, look, 
Cronin doesn't want to call you. He's a little embarrassed, man. Like, you know, but we knew this was going to get done all along. So let me just negotiate on your behalf. And the Pat Riley be like, no, I'm not doing that. Call him up. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do this like adults. Uh, speaking of offseason business, the Heat brought back Josh Richardson on a two-year, $6 million deal. He has a player option for next season. What's the biggest question for Josh Richardson this season, David? Let's see. For Josh Richardson, what is his role on the team? Because I think... Uh, obviously he was so he was younger and uh, a second round pick and yet he went through these different iterations of this team you know during his rookie season obviously Dwayne Wade Chris Bosh Goran Dragic they trade for etc so there's all these these things that happened and he could never really find his footing and then Chris obviously his career cut short Dwayne leaves the team in 2016 Josh kind of has to take over the mantle as the team's quote unquote star player. That just he was the best player on a team that wasn't particularly good alongside Goran Dragic. Uh, and he never really found his footing. And then, of course, he was traded. So uh, since then, he's never really seemed to be able to find exactly where to fit into any roster, whether it's Boston or Dallas or Philadelphia uh, or New Orleans. You know, he kind of got a little bit of a boost with the Pelicans last season as a contributor off the bench. But what will his role be in Miami? And I think he needs that kind of clarity in order he, so for him to star in that role. I think since leaving Miami, there has been clarity on what Josh Richardson is. And that was what was lacking when he, like that last year in Miami. They tried to make him the star of the team. And obviously, yeah. he wasn't cut out to be that. And look, test him, see if he can be that guy. Then they traded him for the new star of the team and Jimmy Butler. And then since he's left, yeah, he's bounced around different teams only because he's sort he's you know he's kind of an above average player. He, like, but these those teams were contending teams, always looking for more. But he's a three and D plug and play guy, right? And so I he's going to come back to Miami. I think with a very clear role is like, hey man, we're not going to ask you to do anything more than shoot threes, play defense. That's it. Make open shots, play defense, attack the occasional closeout, make the occasional pass. But if you're playing, if you could guard the best. Uh, guard when you're on the floor and if you can make open threes and, and take them at a high volume that's that's all we need you to do my big question for him is is he better than max Struess? that's the big hmm. question so let me give you something here player a player b we're going to do that stats game so here's hmm. player a's stats and you're going to guess which one is which and the listeners okay. can play along too player a scored for his career so you know it's a guy 11.8 points per game 43% shooting overall, 36.5% from three, 3.1 rebounds, 2.7 assists, 1.1 steals. Player B, over his career, 10 points per game, 42.7% overall, 37% from three-point range, 2.7 rebounds per game, 1.5 assists per game, 0.4 steals per game. Which one is player A? Which one is player B? I would say Josh is player A. Yes, you're absolutely right. And the steals is kind of what gave it away. I kind of debated whether or not to give that part That's up. Okay. Yeah. No, um, I, I get so he's better than, at least better than Struess, right? Like over the course of his career. But there was that year, 2016 and 17, or 17, 18, where he was kind of the, the team's de facto star. And a lot of those numbers somewhat inflated over what would happen over the course of his but he's career. A, he's a better rebounder. He's a better playmaker. And he's obviously better defensively and more disruptive with the steals over over Max Struess and I don't think that's I mean you don't need the stats you could just watch the watch the games you know that he's my, scored my, more too but the, yeah my, my concern though is like we we know what Josh is capable of we've seen the highs from him but why has it always been so difficult for those other teams to kind of get the most out of him and 
get him a role where he can thrive. And like you mentioned, the fact that he's played for contending teams, Boston, Philadelphia, Dallas was a playoff. He was team, good for Boston. They had to trade him for Derek White because they needed a, a point guard. You know, and, and like you said, he was good for the Pelicans, and he didn't really make sense for the Spurs when they started rebuilding. Like sometimes it sure. just happens. Dallas misses him. I was talking, I was on a Celtics podcast yesterday. He was like, We kind of miss Josh Richardson. We kind of wish we still had that guy. You know, so there's a little bit of uh seller's remorse there. So I'm with you there. I just I I I just think sometimes you just need the right situation. And Josh Richardson is such a situational player. I love yeah. his fit on this roster, the way that he can just be, and I teased it going into the segment. I think he's going to be better in this stint, however long it lasts, than he was even in the last stint because now he gets to play off of a Jimmy and a, and a fully formed Bam out of bio and whoever else is going to be on the court with him. Um, and this is not somebody that can be involved in the Damian Lillard trade because he just signed. Best case right. scenario for Josh Richardson. Uh, best case scenario, high-level contributor. I, that's all we need from him. Like I don't know if he's a starter or a bench player or what, but he just – the 3 and D, that's it. He just yep. needs to yep. be a guy who provides that spark, a defensive play – Easy buckets in transition off of steal or turnover. Him and Jimmy as the defensive backcourt there. I mean, that's phenomenal. That might be Miami's best defensive backcourt in a long while. Mm. Uh, so I, I really I, I could see that combination being really, really strong in Miami's favor. My best case scenario is that he starts mm. as the two guard next to Damian Lillard. Whew. Three Whew. and D player, plug and play, like you said, three and D plug and play guy. He could be there, Contavious Caldwell Pope. Like, that's all the Miami Heat need him to be. In best case scenario, it's exactly what he would be next to a superstar like Damian Lillard. Worst case scenario, I've just got streaky shooter off the bench. But I really, like, that's me. I don't think he's streaky. He's a good shooter. Like, Josh Richardson, the floor is pretty low on him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, the bad, worst case scenario is uh, just doesn't adjust to playing for a championship. And Miami's depth fails to manifest as a result. Because you're like, a lot of people, and I look, I'm high on Josh you're high on Josh. Mm -hmm. There's the the good vibes, right? Like he's w coming back to the team that drafted him. It was tough to kind of trade him in the first place. I know he was just kind of miscast in his role here, but I think a, overall most Heat fans appreciated who he was and that he always tried, even if he fell short of those expectations as lofty as they were. But, you know, you come in here now, it's a different team, different aspirations, clearer hierarchy than he ever played with, and you wonder whether or not Josh can – understand that role whether or not it's just not clear enough for him and as a result and you're kind of looking around saying well what did we trade what, what did we sign a guy like josh for if he's not even going to be able to play at a high level i don't think that's going to happen again this is why it's the worst case scenario yeah I, i'm thinking like even realistically like dude's gonna play i mean in and out of the rotation i have him is in just too easy uh, yeah for sure play. yeah all right. for sure what cheesecake he gets that phone call? Sorry, I don't think he gets that phone call from Spo telling him to sign a one and one if he's not gonna at least you know he, he's gonna be able to compete for a role, and I think it's pretty clear that he can win one. You mentioned the one and one that has something to do with our next segment. What questions are we asking about these players this time next year? Plus, what cheesecake factory menu item represents both Duncan Robinson and Josh Richardson the best? We're gonna talk about that here on Lockdown Heat next, but first a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by DoorDash. Look, there's a lot to say about DoorDash here, especially on this ad read. So I, if you don't know about DoorDash by now, it's time for you to get into it. And there's a lot of reasons why you might want to order something via DoorDash, whether it's groceries or just pick up dinner or anything like that. But it all boils down to the same thing. You don't want to. You don't have the time for it. Either way, you just feel lazy. There's lots of different reasons. Just order it via DoorDash. They've got you covered. That's all it takes. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites. And now you can get your groceries delivered 
and they actually deliver them too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood, and you can boost your local economy with each and every order. So right now, if you sign up, get 50% off your first DoorDash order and up to a $20 value when you use the code LOCKDOWNNBA at checkout. That's right. Limited time offer and terms to apply. But if you go right now, that's 50% off, a $20 no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's right. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Every dayers, make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. We're going to be back next week to discuss Bam's ceiling and how much better he can be for the Heat this season. And maybe, maybe we have some news on Damian Lillard. Also next week, David, I really want to try to get to my top five observations from Europe. I'm going to just tell everybody what they need to know about Europe in five <laughs> All of Europe, the whole kind. You saw, you saw, you saw all. Of you. you were there for a week, and that's it. You got everything you needed to know out about Europe out of that one week. I mean, basically, much. right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I went. Uh, I went there for my honeymoon. Same thing. I, I know all I need to know. I, oh, so I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know. So ah, uh, you're just refreshing my memory about there it. You go. <laughs> Before we head to the Cheesecake Factory, let's jump forward for the biggest questions we'll be asking about these players this time next year. David, let's start with Duncan Robinson. What do you got? Can we please stop talking about his contract? <laughs> After a year, another year now at this point, then he'll be at expiring or whatever. It's just, can we just please put it past this? And uh, and he's he's delivered this season uh, in 2023-4. I'm, again, gazing into my crystal ball. Maybe I'm not Bill Simmons, but I see him having a productive season. And as such, can we finally please just put it past this? But he signed a contract. Who cares? Salary cap's going up. Everybody's got nice, lucrative deals. Can we just please stop talking about Duncan's contract? Nope, because that's my question. Does Damn Duncan it. Robinson have positive trade value? Here's his Oh, contract. my God. This, this <laughs> they pulled me back in. I feel like the Godfather 3 here. What's going on? I mean, He's making $19.4 million this year. Or, or I'm sorry, in the... This, in 2024, 2025, this year, meaning because we're going, we're spinning it forward, pretending we're in next year's time. So in the season for 2024, 2025, he's making $19.4 million. The year following, he's got an early termination option for 19.8, which is essentially a, a team option. That's what that amounts to. So, no, he's no, it's a player option. You mean. No, early termination option is, is on, on Miami. A team? Yeah, I, yeah. Otherwise, I he has the choice of opting out. Yeah, I thought he was opt, he could opt out. He can choose the early termination. He can opt out if he wants to enter free agency again, which he will not do. Let's put a pin in that and revisit that. We'll figure that part out. But um, either way, if Duncan Robinson has a great year, all of a sudden that contract is not as big of a deal as it once was. Um, and depending on what the Heat's roster looks like, perhaps that's something that could even have a positive trade value if he's a 44% three-point shooter again. You know what I mean? So right. that's my question for him in 2024. What do you have for Josh Richardson? Uh, for Josh Richardson, uh, not a question, a statement. He's this year's Bruce Brown. Oh, what does that mean? Like in the office, he'll be a free agent? He thrives. Yeah, he thrives in the NBA Finals and helps Miami win a championship. And as a result, he gets his payday next year when everybody's kind of reminded, oh, you know what? He's actually pretty good. He's a productive 3 and D guy who provides a spark, et cetera. Let's take a chance and and, and throw some money mm -hmm. Josh's way. 
You were right about the early termination option. It is a, basically a player option. So, so he won't take it. <laughs> a, big, a big win for the David Heads there. Um, all right. Uh, I've got uh, – where's my question for Josh Richardson? Oh, who is the next Josh Richardson? So kind of oh. related to yours, but for Miami. Yeah. If he's going to leave uh, uh, with that player option – um, I kind of I wanted to almost go bright side on this, David. And I, my my the first thing I had here, but I crossed it out. The Heat are so lucky that he picked up his player option for just three million dollars. I don't know. He loves Miami. Perhaps if he has a good year, he would do it. But if he has a good year, it's time to cash in, man. He'll be thirty-one years old, and it's like, all right, go get yeah, that payday. Last chance. I think yeah. he's going to have a good year. I also think he's going to help the Miami Heat win a lot of games and a lot of playoff games this season too. And those guys tend to get paid. So who's okay. the next Josh Richardson for the Miami Heat? That's what I'm asking. Who's the guy that will come in and sacrifice a little bit of money to be part of something special for a year? That's my question uh, in regards to Josh Richardson. Mm. But let's head to the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> David, as you know, the Cheesecake Factory menu is chock full of an assortment and an array. Expensive. A myriad, maybe, even, you could say, yeah. of items. For breakfast, lunch, brunch, dinner, drink menus, desserts, all sorts of oh things. So we've been going through and trying to figure out which uh, which one of these plethora of items most represents each Heat player that we're talking about during our training camp player preview series. Uh, let's go with Duncan Robinson first. Yeah, that was a that was a tricky one for me. I, I, the way I see it is. He's kind of a, a, a plate or an order that you can kind of make or break a game. Uh, it's also not anything too spicy or too wild. You know pretty much what you're going to get out of Duncan. You know, there's the occasional pop, which makes it stand out. And that's why I think he's a nice, fine, maybe even just a little dry Caesar salad. Oh. With Do you have like a – yeah, <laughs> yes. But there's the way they describe their Caesar salad, it's like not particularly enticing. It's just basically – a couple of croutons and you know some nice Caesar dressing, a little Parmesan on there. There's no 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 spice to it. It's nothing. It's not right. even like a grilled chicken Caesar salad. There's nothing about it. It's just it's a Caesar salad. Well, and they I, have it as a, a side dish and also as an entree, which is, I guess. Well, but I, I, had, I don't know. I had Kevin Love as the appetizer Caesar salad, like that side Caesar salad, because he used to be an entree salad and now he's a side salad. That's but um, Duncan Robinson, I had a hard time with this as well. I had to scour this menu. Scour it. I ended up finding the weekend brunch menu. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have Duncan Robinson as cinnamon roll pancakes. Whoa. That's that's very different. One, yeah. Yeah. Very. Yeah. It's also weird that you'd get pancakes at the Cheesecake Factory. But yeah, let's let me hear the rationale here. You think it's a great idea <laughs> when you see it on the menu. It starts off great. Those first couple of bites. You're like, wow. How come I'm not always eating cinnamon roll pancakes? Why is this not the only thing in my diet? You think it's a great idea to spend a lot of money on them even. Mm. And then you slow down a little bit, about four or five bites through, start to get a little full. You go into a little slump. You may even go into a coma. But eventually (laughs) you do come back out of it and you finish those pancakes. You just got to sit there long enough at the table to get what it is that you wanted to get done when you ordered the cinnamon roll pancakes. That's what I think Duncan Robinson is. It's not like an eating challenge. You don't have to eat the whole pancakes. I mean, I when guess you're ordering you pancakes, you are issuing a challenge. Huh. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, That's not true. Well, yeah, if you I order think... pancakes at the table, people are going to look at you and say, can you finish all of that? It's sort of like oh, an I... unspoken challenge. 
Sorry, I've never had the problem of anybody doubting whether I can finish the pancakes in front of me. I, if I'm getting the pancakes, they're goddamn well being eaten. You know that. I mean, that's why I got a hot take. I got a hot take on pancakes, and I know I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong. You don't like them. I actually don't mind pancakes. I don't like them with syrup. I despise syrup. Oh, you're a weird one. When I eat my pancakes, I eat them with just butter. I'll eat them with butter, maybe like a jam, depending on the flavor of the pancakes. If it's like a banana oh. pancake or something, but I'll just put, I'll just like I'll just smear a little bit of butter on there, and I'm good to go. I won't touch the syrup. The syrup makes me want to puke. I can't stand syrup. Wow, I'm trying. I know I'm wrong. Like I know it. I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong. Like it, I mean, some, you know? some people like it. Some I've seen people. My son, like he's at four, he just like a little dip of pancake and the syrup in the pancake. I'm like, no way. Your son and I can share a short stack, and that's all we'll do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's they're made for they're dry. They want a little extra pop of the gloopy syrupy goodness. I mean, Ooh. I'm trash. I like syrup. I don't You're know. Sorry. I like syrup. Yeah, I'll admit it. I don't care. It's all right. You know what? A little history. I was digging into the the history of the Caesar salad. Apparently, it was uh, uh, invented by restaurateur Caesar Cardini. You know, Caesar Cardini. He was the one, and he came up with the Caesar salad. Because he had nothing left in the kitchen, he kind of just threw everything he had together in order to make the salad. So it's kind of like, kind of like Duncan, you know, like you have, you don't know where to go to, but you might as well go to Duncan Robinson. So go with the Caesar salad. Does that include the dressing? Because I feel like Caesar salad is named after the I dressing. Just, so he just took like mayonnaise, and I think like there's lemon in there. No, the the dressing is named after Caesar. He's the one who came up with the dressing. The idea of the Caesar dressing is based on the Caesar salad. The Caesar dressing, and it, I don't like the bottled version you get at a supermarket probably doesn't have this. It's like mixed with a fresh egg, olive oil, right. anchovies. Yeah. Like if you go to a, maybe finer scale restaurants, they will mix it for you at the table. And that's how though it was originally wow. done. They just took a bed of chopped lettuce and they would mix this fancy salad. It's like, oh, let's they get don't do it that way at the cheesecake factory. No, no. no. <laughs> I don't think they do. Surprising. I don't think they mix it at your table. They well, really you, do. I've never ordered a Caesar salad at, uh, at a cheesecake. I don't think anybody has. <laughs> uh, what's Josh Richardson? Oh, man. I was struggling with Josh because I couldn't quite figure out anything. Oh, really? I knew he's not a, yeah, he's not an entree to me. He's not a no. star level, that guy. But I have him as sweet potato fries because they can kind of make or break your your meal. Like if you get – you're, you're going to get a side dish, right? Good French fries can make or break your meal. If you get a good sandwich, but the fries suck, oh, you kind of feel disappointed. But I went with sweet potato fries because it's kind of like the reinvented version of the French fry, which was his first stint with Miami. And now you're trying something different. Let's let's recast Josh. He's not a French fry. He's a sweet potato fry. So that's kind of how I see him. Interesting, because I have it the reverse. I have him as French fries. Ah, I have him as French fries. I just look, plug and play side item. Goes with basically 90% of the menu. Just throw them out yep. there. And he just goes, man. You got a club pancakes sandwich, and he fries. goes. He's got steak, he goes. Pancakes and fries, it's a classic. Caesar salad and french fries, it's 50 states across the nation, you get that. I have sweet potato fries as somebody else when we get to uh, our always tease you, you always tease us. Like you came up with this whole, like you've got this elaborate chart somewhere in your I office. I do, I'm there. literally looking at it. <laughs> a, uh, a PowerPoint projected version of the menu here. I kind of just like throw darts on my computer screen or wherever it hits. Like, yeah, that sounds good. I, could I, I actually think that. that they were trying to make him sweet potato fries in the first thing. And now they're oh. just going to settle in and just be like, you know what? You're not sweet potato fries. You're just French fries. There's nothing wrong with being French fries. There's nothing wrong with that. Do you see sweet potato fries as like an upscale version of regular fries? I think that that's, I do not. I think French fries that's are how superior, they're perceived, though. but I do think yes. that they, I, I think they're sold to us from big yeah. food. 
as yeah. a superior, more deli. Damn it's, you, it's big like food. The, it's like the yeah. truffle fry. What's a truffle fry? You just put oh, a little truffle God. oil on it. It's not different than the regular French fry. But yeah. if you call it truffle fries, because you know what regular French fries has? Oil. Yeah. You know what truffle <laughs> French fries has on it? Oil. Like it's it's, it's the same it's oil product. made from truffles, so but you could throw same. truffle on the you throw truffle on it, yeah, and then you can add seven dollars to the bill. You could label a truffle truffle flavored diaper and people would eat it, you know. I mean, it's just whatever it's like, <laughs> oh, it's got truffles in it, you know. And clearly, it's what all the elites are eating, so I might as well go in there too. So I don't know. Big takeaways from this show is that pan, uh, syrup is overrated and truffles are fake. I agree with half of that statement. Um, all right. Well, that was fun. Uh, thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. We'll be back uh, next week to discuss Bam Adebayo's ceiling and how much better he could be for the Heat this season. Every day, make sure that you subscribe uh, on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. Also next week, my top five Europe observations. We'll get to it at some point in between talking about the Cheesecake Factory menu and whatever other non-Damian Lillard updates uh, come through the the newswire, David. Have a great weekend. Yeah, I'm gonna go have some cardboard with truffle oil now. <laughs> it's Delicious. gonna cost like eighteen dollars. <laughs>